praise him with his harps and lyres. Praise him with his tambourines and dancing. Praise him with string instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with crashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes, praise the Lord. Okay, you can now. keep that forever and ever. There you go, girl. All right. Now it is uh, our turn to do that. And that's all worship is. It's just an obedience of that verse. My guitar isn't working. Hold on. Is it out there? Good. Do you think there will be technology in heaven? No, No, right? I'm pretty sure he and I could both sing loud enough to not need technology. I might really be squeaky, but. All right. We that might will have work. To use Herbert in the track, so. We're bypassing. All right. Well, God, we love you this morning, and we do come to praise you with all of these different ways, with loud singing, with cymbals, with um, harps and lyres, with these instruments that we have, with our voices, God. Um, It doesn't matter what we sound like, but that we are praising you, God. So we love you this morning, and we thank you for the freedom and the privilege to be able to worship you, God. We love you. We praise you for your goodness and your presence with us this morning, God. Amen. 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 I'll praise in the valley, praise in the mountain. I'll praise when I'm sure, praise when I'm doubting. I'll praise when outnumbered. Praise when surrounded Cause praise is the water My enemies drown in As long as I'm breathing I've got a reason to praise the Lord Oh my soul I praise cause I know you're still in control Cause praise is a weapon, it's more than sound My praise is the shout that brings Jericho down Could I keep it inside? Yeah. 
Praise cause you're sovereign. Praise cause you reign. Praise cause you rose and defeated the grave. I praise cause you're faithful. Praise cause you're true. Praise cause there's nobody greater than you. I praise cause you're sovereign. Praise cause you reign. Praise cause you rose and defeated the grave. I praise cause you're faithful. Praise cause you're true. Praise cause there's nobody greater than you. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. in a sanctuary and this morning uh, we're going to sing a new song and it's really just a beautiful picture of Revelation speaks of this with the holiness the worthiness of Jesus and what it looks like to just be bowing before him in worship to just be singing holy as we're surrounded by the most holy one who loves us, who came here and paid it all for us. So God, we worship you and we praise you for your holiness. And we praise you for your presence. We praise you as we just get a glimpse of heaven of worshiping you, God, as we come together. Where the 
God's capable of a lot more than we uh, than we recognize, and a lot of I think a lot of times we we miss out on what He's going to do because we're just not paying attention and we're not giving Him the space to do what He wants to do. And. Uh, I know that I'm guilty a lot of times of coming to church with like a lackluster expectation. Um, I think we can all probably do that at times where you just come out of rhythm, it's on your schedule, but you, you might not expect much. And uh, this week at work, I don't, don't misinterpret this story, I'll explain, but like <clears throat> I didn't expect properly and, I, and there was a consequence for it. So I'm a veterinarian. I walk in the room. I'm usually pretty good at re- reading dogs, but I was in a hurry, and I just got sloppy. And I kneeled down in front of this dog. He looked nice enough, and he reached out, and he, like, no warning, just grabbed me on the face. And, like, I, I pulled back just fast enough that his teeth just raked across my nose. It looks quite a bit better now than it did earlier this week. But um, the point of this story is, Dogs are capable of more than I gave him the credit for in that moment. And God isn't going to bite you on the nose. If he wants to, he can. He does discipline those he loves. But he's, the story isn't he's going to bite you on the nose. The story is he's capable of more than we are giving him credit for. And my nose can be a visual representation of that until it completely heals so we're gonna sing one more song and as we do let's let's try to realign our focus let's try 
let's try to sing like we believe there's a God who is capable of more than we can ever dream or imagine. Now, whether he does things the way that you want to, that's not a God I want to serve. If he's just going to do what you want, I mean, y'all are probably smarter than me, but you're not that smart. So he, we don't control him and we don't manipulate him, but he is capable and he is good and he is faithful. So we're going to sing one more song as we do the offering. Buckets are up here. We would encourage you to give. Um, there's the lime green box in the back you can give if you don't want to come to the front. But you can give online. There are lots of ways to give. There's really no reason why we wouldn't be giving because it's just not convenient enough. If you like no technology, it's right here. If you like technology, it's on your phone. Um, but we would encourage you to give and God encourages us to give, challenges us to give. Put our money where our mouth is. Do we trust him? Do we trust him with our money? We trust him just with worship songs, but no money. It's not exactly the kind of trust I think that um, he's looking for. So let's, let's challenge our faith. If we're not giving, let's give. If we are giving, continue to give faithfully. But we're going to sing one more song as we do that. I love you, God. Nothing compares.
It says, the more that I enter in, you consume all I am. The more that I enter in, I lose myself and the one who's holy. As we come face to face, you take my breath away. All I can do is cry holy, holy. Um, We get to practice that right now because one day that's just going to be all that we do. Just recognize how holy how different God is from everything else. And as I was listening this morning, God said that we, many of us have a longing for more of God. We have a longing for a deeper relationship with Him, but we don't put any more into that relationship than we put into uh, uh, online uh, social media relationships with there's no I wrote that down I wrote relationships with quotes around it because that's not a relationship but some of us don't put any more into our relationship with God and then we go man where's God why I, I don't feel like he's hearing my prayer the more that I enter in he consumes all I am and I lose myself in the one who's holy that's the deal losing ourself Father, I just thank you for you always being the one that does all that that needs to be done for our relationship. May we recognize that as we as we consume more of you, as we give you at least as much of our time and our attention as we give to other things, that you'll reveal yourself to us. So this morning, God, we crave, and I pray that the investment that people have put into being here this morning for an hour or so, that they will be blessed with a new revelation of who you are in in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all be seated. Could anybody hear chorus singing back there? (laughs) 
That's the most awesome thing ever, is to hear that little girl singing during worship time uh, and doing a good job of it. I also have to say that Cor- Corbin and Courtney, y'all are on the wrong side. I'm, I'm all lopsided. Yeah, I know. I know what happened. But uh, anyway, uh, just just FYI. Um, but I'm good. I can adjust I, because I'm a young man and I, I'm not old and set my ways. In Jesus' name. Feed the Lions is this Friday morning at 7 o'clock. And we're going to have a team here at 6 o'clock in the morning that's going to start getting the breakfast together. I know Feed the Lions sounds really scary, but it's so much more scary than you think. Because it's going to be about 75 or 80 teenagers here, and which is way more scary than Lions. Amen? And, but we're going to enjoy um, the, the young people who are involved in sports. In, at Chandler High School and maybe some other spots. They are going to be here, and we're just going to minister to them uh, as they uh, prepare for a lot of things that they're doing in the next few weeks. So we want to bless them, and we're, we're going to do that. If you want to be part of that, just talk to Pam or, or Dale, or uh, we'll, we'll get that organized. The, the other announcement that I have is that the Women's Conference is coming up uh, about a month from now. If you want to be a part of the meal, you need to register by the 16th of February, and the online registration is available. And if, if you don't get, I, I told Pam the other day, send out an email, because we need to find out if people, everybody's getting the email. Does anybody know what's wrong with that? Um, so tell me today, tell Pam today, if you aren't receiving the newsletter and you don't get those um, uh, text messages like last week when we had to cancel service, um, somebody that's in this room right now didn't get the message on text and we found out that it's our fault. And so I apologize to him and... Um, We'll fix that if you've got that problem too. Amen? All right. Young people, uh, you know who you are. Kids Church starts here in just a second. And so as we break for five minutes, I want you to fill up your coffee. And uh, some of you need to unload some coffee. Y'all just take care of that. Get a donut. And ready, break. I just want to also make mention that we have friends here from our central campuses, which is in Durant. So our, um, we're a multi-campus church with and uh, campuses in Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado, and our original campus is in Durant, Oklahoma, and that's where all our central offices are and the people that take care of a lot of the business, and one of the people that's in charge of all that is Christy, Christy Hans up here, this pretty young lady up here. I'm going to tell you, she's older than she looks. I um, was shocked when, when I found out she had grandchildren, and I was blown away. Um, she and her husband, Mike, are here, and we're happy. Uh, I'm not sure what her title is, but she's the boss of everything. Mike, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right. And then we got Pastor Lee, who is the long, long time. He's also older than he looks. Um, the longtime associate pastor of the whole church, everything, and so, and he's the coach that keeps me connected there, and so, and he's a good friend of mine. So, Lee and Ginger here too, and you, most of y'all know him. He's preached here many times. So, but this morning, 
We are blessed to have the second in the series that Pastor Jacob is teaching on how to change. So Jacob Sheriff, son of our founding pastor, Pastor Dwayne, that I've been friends with 30-something years now, um, his son, who I've been friends with almost that long, um, he is bringing the word to us this morning, and it's awesome about transformation. So welcome, Pastor Jacob. Go to Colossians chapter 1. We'll be there in a moment. Uh, before we dive into the word and uh, what the word is going to speak to us today, would you do me a favor and welcome our campuses? Sherman is with us uh, right now. Chandler's with us today. Also, we have uh, those of you in Hugo that are joining us. And then uh, we also have an outreach in, outreach in Breckenridge, Texas. So would you kind of layer on the gratitude a little bit and say thank you to them. Thank you so much for being a part uh, of what God's doing in this family. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about something that's really important to how we think uh, at this church, um, what we uh, structure around and what we want for you um, and how we want to point you to Jesus. Um, I'm in a series uh, that I've just entitled How to Change. Uh, we're wanting to grow. We want to mature. How do we change? Last week I talked about why, why transformation, um, what we believe about transformation and why it's important that it's a part of fulfilling who God made us to be who God made humans to be, we are to be transformed into the image of Jesus because Jesus is the prototype of what, what God desires humanity to look like and our character, our life should be shaped like Jesus. Well, I want to now kind of introduce how that happens, how we grow and how we're transformed. Again, this comes as a, as a foundation from Romans chapter 8, verse 29, when he says, for those whom he, that's God the Father, for new, that's you, he also predestined or planned beforehand to be conformed to the image of his son. This is what God's plan for us is, is for our life to look like Jesus's life and our discipleship to Jesus. It's not a side project. It's not just the occasional thing we do. It's not just a little extra in our life. It's also not the thing that we try to use to get our life to get better Discipleship to Jesus is about fulfilling all that God's called us to. Discipleship to Jesus is about our transformation, looking like him. It's the goal. The goal of discipleship is for the entirety of our life to look like Jesus. Not just a spiritual life, not just part of our life. The entirety of our life to look like Jesus. That's being sold out in our discipleship. And that's what we are all about here at this church. Well, I want to talk a little bit about... Uh, what the church's role in this is. But I want to set this up a little bit uh, from something that, a couple verses in Colossians chapter one that mean a whole lot to me because what I see in these couple verses is Paul's apostolic drive in his life. Like what, what drove Paul, uh, the apostle Paul, to walk and travel so many miles and plant so many churches that had, like, he had to be a bit obsessive to do something like that. Um, he had to be very passionate, very aggressive for him to endure all that he endured, for him to suffer all that he suffered, 
all the while being committed to these churches, putting up with all sorts of immaturity, working through difficult issues, spending night and day laboring. Like, what was his motivation to do such a thing? What was his, like, what drove him? And these couple verses give a little bit of window into this when he says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. For him, Jesus, so Paul's talking about for him, Jesus, whom we proclaim. Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. So this is kind of summarizing all of this ministry that he's doing, all of what the church is all to be about. Proclaiming Jesus, declaring the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. Warning everyone. So when we declare Jesus as Lord, it also comes with a warning that that there is a, a call for us to bring our life under the Lordship of Jesus because there are consequences if we do not. And so we proclaim Jesus, we're warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. We want the wisdom of God and it requires some explanation. We teach with all wisdom for what purpose or to what end. And this is what he says in the second half of verse 28, that we may, or that I may, that we may present you, the church, mature in Christ. This is what we're all about, that we may present anyone and everyone mature in Christ. We proclaim Jesus, we warn with that proclamation, and we teach with all wisdom that proclamation of who Jesus is. To what end? That any of us and all of us be mature in Christ, that we grow up. And churches that get off mission and become nurseries for spiritual babies are not fulfilling the mission God's put us on. Now, every church should have a nursery. That's a little bit of a double entendre, so, yeah, literally, but, but, yeah, like, the church should always be welcoming spiritual babies, always. We should be birthing new babies. This is one of the, the, the challenges, and I would say it's, it's, it's actually very discouraging when you look at uh, what the data says about the American church, that the majority of church growth So there's many churches dying. Uh, There's a lot of churches dying. Some of it's the devil. Some of it's Jesus. In Jesus' letters to the churches in Asia, in Revelation 2 and 3, it says, if you don't repent, I'll pull your lampstand. So I think some churches, Jesus is closing. Some churches, it's the devil and immature, stupid people. Okay? So there's a lot of churches dying. But there are numerous churches growing. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I pray that our church continue to contribute to that, to grow. But, But when you look underneath that, the question then comes, how are churches growing? And the majority of church growth in America today is what's called transfer growth. People transferring from one church to another. Now, if you're in a dead church... An immature church, a broken church, the, the, the devil is running supreme, not Jesus as Lord. Okay, that makes sense. Leave that church. If you're under dead legalism, you don't need to be under that kind of uh, horrible oppression. Yes, 
but very little of the growth is what's called conversion growth. People actually giving their life to Jesus and coming into a church, belonging to a church family for the first time. It's not a significant amount of growth in that realm. And we do. We do need to grow in that. We need to grow in witnessing our faith to people who do not believe. Because more and more of our country is in the category of unbelievers. Uh, people that just don't believe anymore. It's not people that have believed and have left the faith. It's people, or they don't know. There's, a, there's numerous places of our country that would statistically be unreached people groups. Where less than 7, 5% of, of the, the whole community or the whole city believe in Jesus. And so, so conversion growth needs to increase. But whether it be conversion, transfer, regardless of what stage of, of spiritual growth you're in right now, the goal for you is that you grow up. While we welcome spiritual babies, while we should be birthing spiritual babies, absolutely. There must be mature adults to raise the babies. <laughs> And this is what the Apostle Paul says, this is what it's all about. Because then in verse 29 of Colossians 1, he says, For this I toil. This is why I put my hand to this plow. This is why I labor so intensely, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. On a side note, Paul recognizes the power doesn't come from his self-effort. He doesn't, it doesn't come from his natural energy. I'm sure he was a pretty uptight kind of guy, naturally. For him to have naturally become a Pharisee, like he probably was fairly uptight. So he was probably wound tight. Uh, so he probably already has a significant amount of energy. But he recognizes it's not on his own energy that he's laboring like this to see the gospel of Jesus spread. He labors with the grace of Jesus. His power, he powerfully works within me. He gives me the energy. That says a lot to me when I feel low in energy, that I'm probably relying a lot on myself. Now there's balance with bodily rest and all that kind of stuff. But in what energy are you living for or living from? The Apostle Paul says it's his energy that he works powerfully in me. But why? is the energy of Jesus's grace working so powerfully in the Apostle Paul to put his hand to labor that he present the church mature in Christ. Not just mature in the sense of well-learned, well-educated, not mature in the sense of just, you know, chronology. You just got older. I don't, if you I mean, I would imagine that many of you are at just enough of an age to realize that age and maturity do not automatically coincide. Okay, thank you. I was, I was wondering there for a second. <laughs> you, you know, just, yeah, just getting older just means you're getting older. It does not automatically mean being more mature. But this is what he's after, and, and I, I, I really resonate with this. This, when I, years ago, just really grappling through um, what I want to put my hand to. Um, I don't want to just be uh, mediocre at a lot of things. I want to fulfill God's call in my life. Uh, and these, these were a couple of the verses that, that energized me, fueled me uh, with a lot of passion to say, this is, this is what I want to put my hand to. If this is what the Apostle Paul lived so intently toward to present people mature in Christ, this is what I want to live for as well. And so 
here at this church, this is what we're passionate about. Doesn't mean that every day you're going to see people just so bubbly in energy, but what drives us forward, what moves us forward as a church to not get stagnant or complacent, that we all grow up, that each of us grow up, and no matter how old you are, chronologically, <laughs> no matter how old you think you are, or how much time you think you have left, <laughs> there's always room to grow and mature in Christ. There's always more to know of Jesus. And this is, this is what everything we do should be structured around this. It's just relationship with Jesus and that relationship lead us toward maturity. And we'll use the word transformation because it is our life being transformed. But that kind of transformation that happens in relationship with Jesus that is the goal of our discipleship, that's maturity. It's growing up, being an adult in Christ. Uh, and of all the places and all of the ways that we work that through, what is the church's role in leading people to be mature in Christ, in growing people to be mature in Christ, to lead towards transformation? Because all of us have a personal responsibility in our relationship with the Lord. And the church cannot remove that responsibility from you. You don't get to offload your transformation or your maturity onto the responsibility of the church. You are responsible. We all stand responsible as individuals with agency in our relationship with Jesus. But the church doesn't need to get in the way of that. Okay, thank you. The church does not need to get... We, we do not want to be a church that puts obstacles in front of people's maturity. So what is the church's responsibility? If, if we're not taking responsibility from you in your relationship with Jesus... What is our responsibility? And to simplify it as much as I can, it's, it's this. We create environments that cultivate relationship with Jesus. We want to make relationship with Jesus as easy as possible. But the way, the way I like to say it, we want to make relationship with Jesus as easy as possible, but not more so. doesn't need to be more easy than possible. Because it requires some effort. On all of our parts. Uh, any relationship requires effort. And our relationship with Jesus requires effort. And so what the church's responsibility is, is to make that process of relationship as easy as possible. So what we do is we cultivate and create environments that make cultivating a deeper relationship with Jesus that leads to transformation as easy as possible. And it is not one single environment. Because many people will associate church as that gathering that we go to on the first day of the week. And to maybe where I'll end, church is not an event you go to, it's a family you belong to. Okay, and the gathering has a role to play, but it is one environment. So if the church gathering, not, not the church organization, the collective body of Christ, the church, we are the church, what our responsibility collectively is to cultivate and create environments that make your relationship with Jesus deeper and deeper and deeper. You're taking responsibility for your relationship with Jesus, but, but it needs to be facilitated. 
It needs to be encouraged. It needs to be developed. The church's role is to cultivate those kinds of environments that make knowing Jesus and relating to him easier and deeper as much as possible. And there's three specific environments for that. And we'll call that, we call this right here the ecosystem. The ecosystem of transformation, you can call it the ecosystem of maturity, because there is a process for maturity. It's not just following the rules. It's not just checking the boxes. Maturity doesn't come just by fulfilling all the different tasks you're responsible for. It is a relationship. You can go to John 15, uh, where I'll lay the groundwork for this as, as much as I can. We call it ecosystem of transformation. There's multiple environments that are necessary in you relating to Jesus. The first one is worship. Our, our personal connection with the Lord and our corporate gathering for honoring the Lord. Um, but you and Jesus can't have your own thing going and you come to full maturity. There's just, the, the New Testament does not know a privatized relationship with Jesus where it's just about you. Now, you have a personal relationship with Jesus. You are called to cultivate that personal and intimate relationship with Jesus. But if that is the only part of your relationship with Jesus, you and Jesus having your own thing going, you'll mature some. But 100% of the time, that over a prolonged period of time, you go from getting kind of more mature to getting weird and off. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I surely you have met these people. I don't need anybody else. Nothing else matters. I just, I just, just me and Jesus. And, and maybe they have a sincere, deep love for Jesus. Maybe even a sincere, deep love for Scripture. But I've seen people when it's just them and their Bible and they think the Spirit is leading them. They think that they're getting deeper revelation, but it's just them and their Bible. And 100% of the time, they get weird. And most of the time, they get way off. Like the kinds of stuff they're finding in Scripture, it's just not there. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is very wrongly interpreted. Uh, we need a community of believers. You need a family to belong to. And so it's not just seeing Jesus for yourself. It's not just seeing Jesus in a personal relationship. You also need to see Jesus in each other. He made us to be in relationship with each other. Again, referencing last week about being made in the image of God. To be made in the image of God is not just you and your relationship with the Lord. Being made in the image of God, representing his character and ruling on his behalf, he made it for us to be in relationship with one another. Mankind, not just the individual, but at the onset, he says male and female, he created them. So two. So it isn't just that you need to have your personal relationship with Jesus, you do. But it also has to grow and mature into being in relationship with Jesus with each other. We need to see the Jesus in each other. And then that will grow you and mature you to a certain place. But eventually, you'll hit a maturity threshold. And that maturity threshold 
is whether or not you recognize your maturity isn't about you anymore. It's leveraged for the sake of others. A serving environment where, yes, you connect with the Lord in worship. Yes, we connect with each other in the Lord, Christ-centered relationship. But we also recognize God's work in our life is for the sake of others. It's not about you. This is one of the clearest, distinct thresholds of adult maturity. When we call someone immature as an adult, what almost always are we referring to? Their selfishness. Their inability to take care of someone else. What, what is a clear, distinct mark of childhood to adulthood? From toddler and infant stage to childhood is, is the early stages of being able to take care of themselves. But a distinct threshold from childhood to adulthood is not just being able to take care of yourself. It's being able to take care of others. And it's the same in our spiritual maturity. Our spiritual maturity caps when we think our maturity is about us. And so it has to be leveraged outward for the sake of others. It's to reveal Jesus to the world. It's not just to know Jesus for yourself or to know Jesus in each other. It's to reveal Jesus to the world. That's ultimately what we're after. And that's ultimately the goal of our maturity and discipleship is the entirety of our life looking like Jesus so that when people see us and we serve them like Jesus served, they see Jesus. It's for the sake of the world. And it requires all those environments working together and us continuing to mature in each environment that as a whole, we grow and mature in Christ. But this, again, lest we get distracted, this is all about Jesus. John chapter 15. We're gonna read the first eight verses of this chapter. This is Jesus' conversation with his disciples as he's nearing the cross. He knows this is his last night with his disciples. Uh, and so these are very intimate words he's giving his closest disciples. And Jesus says this and begins with a metaphor. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Whatever that means, and there's a few interpretations of it, but whatever that means, it's not good. Don't be that branch. <laughs> Verse seven, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much 
fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now there's so much in here and it's worth teaching at some point in time like the extent uh, of all that he's saying here. Um, but, but what I want to make crystal clear for the sake of, of where we're at today when it comes to your maturity and your transformation, the bottom line, whatever it is, whatever our relationship of the Lord, with the Lord gets defined as, whatever practices get put in place, whatever environments get created, nothing will work if you're not connected with Jesus. I don't care how many Boxes you check of spiritual disciplines. I don't care how many reading, Bible reading plans you can check off. I don't care what your version Bible open streak is. It could be extensive. I don't care how many plans you've completed. I don't care how many days in a row you've had your private devotional time. I don't care. It doesn't matter the spiritual discipline. If it does not draw you in closer connection with Jesus, it's worthless. Because he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Therefore, everything we do should be in intimacy or abiding connection with him. That's everything, is connection and relationship with him. And he gives a few different progressions in that relationship with him. Using the analogy of abiding in him and bearing fruit, he says that there are fruitless branches that get cut off. There are parts of our life that's not bearing fruit that need to be removed. And then there's parts of our life that's, a bear, that's bearing some fruit, and the reward for bearing some fruit is getting pruned. Talk about, man, talk about the things that will discourage you in your maturation. You maturing in Christ. There are things that are not good for you. That you, you and I don't have the wisdom or discernment to know if it's good for us or not. And our intimacy with Jesus, he draws us into a closer connection and fellowship where he says, that thing, it's not good for you. It needs to be cut off. Starting with your pride. It needs to be pruned. All right, so some fruit be pruned to bear more fruit. Then he says, Abiding in him, you will bear much fruit. So no fruit, some fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Do you see a process here? Now we can talk about that in detail, but you just need to see that there is a process here. But all of it from no fruit to much fruit is all about abiding in him. Building a deeper connection with him. And every environment that the church cultivates, every environment we are to participate in is all about deepening our abiding in him, deepening our connection and relationship with him. Every spiritual discipline that I advocate for, and I'll advocate for many of them, and I'll keep advocating for them because they are the way that we consistently can stay in relationship with Jesus. But a discipline in and of itself is worthless if it doesn't bring you to Jesus. If it, if, it begun, if it becomes checking a box that you did that thing, it's no longer valuable for you. And then here at the end, verse 8, he says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. How do we prove discipleship with Jesus? You don't, you don't get to, 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 again, you don't get to pull your version Bible app and say, see, this proves 
that I'm a disciple of Jesus. You don't, like, nobody takes role here at any of our churches, okay? Like, there's not a, a role sheet that we're checking your attendance, all right? My hope is that if you aren't here, there are people who love you that want to check on you. And yes, gathering, especially on the first day of the week, to honor the Lord Jesus is absolutely essential to our maturity. But you don't need perfect attendance to prove you're a disciple of Jesus. There are plenty of Pharisees that have more than perfect attendance that don't know Jesus. (laughs) They're at church every week, but no closer to Jesus than they would be anywhere else. So it's not those things. What proves you bear much fruit? Now, the Apostle Paul builds out what that kind of fruit is when he talks about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, specifically verse 22 and 23, when he says the fruit of the Spirit are love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like what, what proves that you and I are disciples we're getting more and more mature in love, more and more mature Enjoy. I'm working on that one. I'll be honest. I, I think I'm a generally okay guy, and I'm not uptight. I'm a fairly relaxed individual, but I also do not experience joy at a deep level. And that's number two. I'm not going to get all nine if I get stuck at number two. But this is this is part of what I'm realizing. I'm not maturing Christ in this. I might, I might be at some fruit, but I want to grow, which means some things are going to have to get pruned in my life for me to experience more joy. Patience, like who has a gold star at patience? Like there's probably out of all of our campuses, there's probably five people I know that I'm like, I cannot just, you blow me away with your patience. Then there's the rest of us. (laughs) Well, how do you develop patience? You abide in Jesus. Apart from him, you can do nothing. How do you develop peace? How, how do you become the kind of person that doesn't stifle anxiety or suppress anxiety? Anxiety has no power over you. How do you become that kind of person? A unanxious presence. That's peace. How do you develop? Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. So what would glorify our Father in heaven and prove that we're, we're disciples of Jesus? We're growing and maturing and being an unanxious presence. Gentleness? Okay, it sounds like I need to be de- defining some of these because if this is where our growth point is. So like, so, so, but wouldn't we all want the kind of life that those nine things describe? Wouldn't we all want that kind of life? Like that's maturity in Christ. And that's the life he promises. Here's the deal. It's the life he wants you to have. Like Jesus' purpose was to give us this life. But he gives you this life connected with him. Like you, 
You don't get to receive God's promises while disconnected from his presence. His promises are connected to his presence. If you want love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, you want those nine things. They are found exclusively in the presence of Jesus. So if you want to grow in those things, you need to cultivate your relationship with Jesus. And that, that is what our hearts desire that we will do imperfectly as a church. There is no such thing as a perfect church. When there's new creation in new heavens and new earth, all of us have new bodies and there's neither mourning nor crying nor pain anymore and Jesus wipes all our tears away and all the nations shall bring the glory into the new Jerusalem, then we'll have a perfect church. Until that point, we're gonna have to deal with being imperfect, okay? But maturing. Just because we're imperfect doesn't mean you get to use imperfection as an excuse to be an idiot, okay? None of us get to excuse ourselves from the maturing process, okay? So we want to be cultivating an awareness of God's presence. And this is where, in our ecosystem, it begins with cultivating a worship environment, an environment that gets our attention and affection on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's what our heart's desire is in how we, why we gather because you can say, well, I can, have that. I can have a relationship with Jesus on my own. I can be on the side of a mountain uh, with, you know, a Bethel playlist and my favorite pastors speaking. And I don't know if I rank on those favorite pastors. I get it, okay? We have never had this much access to, uh, you know, the greatest communicators in the country. Uh, and, and that's not a bad thing. I, I have my favorites too. Um, that I watch. It's, it's not me. I mean, I'm not my favorite. So, so I, I get it. I get it. I get it. However, think about over a long period of time how that conditions you. You think you are in control. When you can control your personal interests in your favorite songs, you, you get to control who you get to listen to. And then when you don't like what they say, you turn them off. Think about how that's conditioning you. So though I recommend having times of intimacy with the Lord, and I have my favorite playlists and my favorite communicators too, there's a reason for gathering as the corporate body of Christ together. There's things that get worked in you that do not get worked otherwise. Because I don't know how many people in this room in any of our campuses would say, like being a part of a worship gathering with a church on a Sunday morning is the easiest thing in my life. The majority of us have to go through many inconveniences to prioritize this. That's teaching you something. That's conditioning you a certain way. It's training you a certain way to overcome obstacles and inconveniences. And again, no one's checking your attendance. I mean, you can confirm this with your campus pastor, I guess, but like no one's keeping attendance. So this is, this is on you to be responsible for this. But we want to create an environment that people want to be a part of, where the, 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 the presence of the Lord is known in a unique way that isn't known on the side of a mountain with your favorite playlist and your favorite communicator. 
I'm not saying God's not there. I'm just saying there is a dimension of his presence and a call to a higher level of maturity that isn't selfish for you to belong to a worshiping church and gathering together to get your attention and affection off of your life, off of your problems, off of yourself, and onto the risen king. We do that, the way we structure things and work through things are all intentional. We do it, there's three main practices, I can't explain too much, but spirit, scripture, and sacrament. Like we believe the Holy Spirit is present. That the Holy Spirit isn't just some theological idea from the Old Testament or an experience that the apostles had that no longer is a part of our relationship with God. No, no, we believe Jesus, he poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and since then he hadn't pulled him back. And so we believe that the Spirit is present. We believe that the Spirit is working and part of our worship is to get our attention on that work and to and create space to receive that work. We open scripture because honestly, we're just not that smart. Jesus is the living word that the scripture, the written word points inerrantly to and we just wanna elevate the living word. The living word that's working in your life. The living word that brings transformation. The seed of the word of God that goes into your heart and it bears fruit in your life. And yes, we gather at the table. We gather for baptisms. That's sacraments that we, we still honor. And all of these things are all about pointing our attention to Jesus. And it's grounded in one specific verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, where the apostle Paul says, we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the Spirit's present to do what? To bring transformation in your life as you turn your attention to the glory of the Lord revealed in Christ Jesus and beholding his glory, not, not paying attention to your problems, like your problems will still be there. Like let it go for like a moment or an hour. Like there's a God at work that cares more about your life than you care about your life cares more about those problems than you care about those problems and loves you more than you can imagine. And he wants to be known to you. He wants you to encounter him and behold his glory. Beholding his glory is what transforms us in that process of maturity from one degree of glory to another. So the way we would talk about that when in worship is we create environments we cultivate these kinds of environments for people to encounter God and then be moved to respond. It isn't to say that we're trying to emotionally stimulate people, though I believe that if, if we're experiencing God's presence, it does do something to our emotions. But like you're not checking whether or not it was a good worship service based on how like, many emotions you felt. That's not, that's not what that's about. Um, we open the scriptures because we believe when the Spirit's speaking, there's comfort, but there's conviction as well. So it's not about, you know, me just giving you five helpful tips for a better life, nor is it about, like, shoving something down your throat. It's just about lifting Jesus up. And in lifting Jesus up, like, we're inviting everyone to behold Jesus. 
Like the best a worship team can do is to get your attention upward. The best I can do is get out of the way and point your attention to Jesus. It's why we open the text. It's because this will be here tomorrow, whereas I'm not. Or any communicator is not. So in cultivating this specific environment, And gathering together, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As Hebrews 10 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We we gather so that we are practicing and exercising our attention and affection, beholding the glory of the Lord that brings transformation so that we are training to go live the rest of the week with that attention and affection on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same spirit who's at work, not just in a gathering, but in the rest of our life. But listen, you need both. You need the training room and then the exercise of practicing it in our everyday life. And that's what, that's what we believe our role as a church is, is to just keep cultivating environments where God's spirit is known, his word is opened, his presence, we encounter his presence, we turn our attention to him and we're trained in how to listen, trained in how to hear his voice, training our ears to the voice of the good shepherd. This is something I pray over my children every night, that their ears are tuned to the voice of the good shepherd. We've got to train our ears because we have so much noise in our life that's trying to pull our attention and, and, and confuse his voice in our life. So we gather so that we get our attention on him our affection towards him, training us to hear his voice so that we live out what we're growing in and learning in and what we're experiencing together. And that encounter, it's gonna look different every week. It's gonna look different for every person because every person is in a different place in their relationship with the Lord. But what our commitment is, is to keep pointing you to Jesus. Keep pointing you to Jesus. No matter what stage you're in or state you're in, no matter how mature, immature, no matter how broken or healed, no matter is to get your attention on Jesus because apart from him, you can do nothing. That's what we're committed to. And what we'll look at next week is what that looks like now in community, where the second half of Romans chapter eight, verse 29, where he says, whom he foreknew he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. So our transformation happens in the context of family. And that's why we say church is not an event you go to, it's a family to belong to. And it's this family is gonna get our attention on Jesus and not itself so that we can mature and grow in Christ and be presented to the Lord mature. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us in Christ Jesus. And I pray that we honor Jesus Jesus, you're present and you're working. You're in our lives. You're in our midst. And I pray that in all of our campuses that we're attuning to your voice, your presence, your leadership, your shepherding. Holy Spirit, you're working in different people's lives in different ways. And we just yield ourselves to your work. And we thank you for working, not because we've earned it or deserve it, but simply because we're turning to Jesus in faith. And I thank you. I thank you for that transformation. I thank you for that work of the Spirit. Um, And I pray that we just live that kind of surrendered life um, to you. And that we pay attention to what you're doing and how you're bringing transformation. 
all so that our lives could bear much fruit and so prove our discipleship and bring glory to our Father who is in heaven. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Those uh, three circles, worship, community, and service, were revelational to me about 10 years ago when when we developed that um, that schema, the schematic for that, that uh, in two ways. One, it was a diagnostic tool that you could figure out, you know, I just think that something's not right. My, I'm not clicking. And what's wrong? You could look at that thing and say, oh, well, you know, I'm not very well developed in this area of my life. Furthermore, and this is the, the second thing about it that I liked, it also was a it also showed you where to go. <laughs> I mean, it told you what was wrong and what you need to do. Well, I would just so I would challenge you this morning to think about that. And we talk about that ecosystem through the year, uh, you know, at least a couple of times a year. And Pastor Jacob just touched on it this morning. But I would challenge you think about how are you. How are those three aspects of a, of a healthy spiritual life rec- represented in your life? That you're involved in worship. Now, the kind you do at home and the, and the kind you do corporately and community. That, uh, you know, you... Most of us who desire to have a relationship with the Lord uh, do. My watch is going off. We do involve ourselves in worship, in, in a connection with God. But if we're not connected to a community, that, that idea of that it's a family you belong to, that if you're not connected in that community, then you're not going to be living a healthy, well-balanced Christian life. And furthermore, and this is where people recognize that they're falling short a lot of times, and they're, that if there's a lack of health, spiritual health, that it, it's in that serving. You have an opportunity, if you're connected here, you have an opportunity to work all those things, a, a perfect opportunity to work those things out. I would challenge you that as you respond to this message this morning, and we always hope for response, that there's not a point in coming if you just come and sit and occupy a space and then leave. If there's not some change that happens, if there's not a transformation, I mean, that's what we're talking about. If there's not a transformation, then, uh, then we've fallen short. And I don't know, if there's a point in just continuing that forever, if there's not something that changes. And as God ministered to me before the service even started, as God ministered and and gave me that message that if, if you're not investing any more in your life than... than you are in keeping up with your Facebook, then something's wrong. Amen?
This is my friend, Sister Yvonne, and she's going to share something with you. The Lord gave me John 15 before the service this morning. I asked him, what should I pray for the church this morning? And that's the way I start a lot of things. I wrote it down. And I believe, as we've heard this message, that these scriptures be just that there's a relationship. We're talking about relationship. But I believe it's showing the progression And he said here, no one has greater love, no one has shown greater uh, affection than you lay down your give up your life for your friends. You are my friends. So he begins with friends. You are my friends. If you keep in doing the things which I command you to do, I do not call you servants or slaves. He does not make us follow him. And so he says uh, that uh, any longer for uh, the servant does not know what the master is doing, working out. I call you for my friends because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. I have revealed it to you, everything that I have learned from him. So just if you're just a friend... He said, I've revealed everything that the Father has revealed to me. Not even a born-again person, but just a friend. Because what was the progressive of this? If I'm the vine and you are the branches, if you stay with me, then everything's going to be all right. But if we don't, and then he goes ahead to say, "Uh, you have not chosen me. But I have chosen you and have appointed you. I have planted you that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing that your fruit may uh, be lasting, that it may remain, abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name as presenting it all that I am, he may give it to you. I am is from Exodus 3 where he went before the... Pharaoh and he said I am that I am so even when we gather in the midst two or three that gathers in his name I am then we can ask what we want and we can have it but I see this progression this morning as pastor was bringing this forth is that we progress from friends to born again believers he hadn't said a word about a born again believer here that didn't come till later, till after the resurrection. And so we are now born again believers and we can expect revelation that is out of this world because it is. Woo! Amen. If you didn't recognize that scripture, it's because that was the ladies' Bible. It's the one that has all the extra words in it. The Amplified Bible. Um And that's the tiniest print I've ever seen in my life. I don't know how she read it. That is a good word. If you have not ever studied the vine, all the secrets that are involved in that whole vine scripture in the beginning of John chapter 15, you, you need to do it because it's revelational. Got anything, Pastor Lee? All right. All right. Let me pray for us. If you need to be, if you need anything, speak to me, to Pam, Miss Yvonne. Just uh, don't leave here if you have a need. We'll pray for you. We'll um, minister any way we can. All right. Bow with me. 
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this awesome church that we get to be a part of, that we can experience worship, that we can uh, experience family and community, and that we can have these opportunities to serve, that you've given us everything that we need to be healthy, healthy, Jesus-becoming individuals, because that's our desire is to be more like you. Um, not in this building, but to be like you every place we go, every place that our foot falls, at work, at school, at Walmart, shopping, that we'll be Jesus everywhere we go, that we'll be Jesus in our homes and for our families and for extended families. Lord, that, that we could minister your love to those around us every single day because we want to be a blessing because you've been such a blessing to us. That's our prayer in Jesus' name.